Hello, my name is James Haven, and today I'm speaking with Claudia Armani, one of the top health and wellness bloggers in the UK, also a practicing health coach and Pilates instructor. Our conversation spans Claudia's background and entry into health and wellness, the fundamentals of health coaching and how to empower patients, functional and holistic medicine, the use and limitations of willpower for behavior change, intermittent fasting, the state of health coaching in the UK, the rise of subscription-based payments in healthcare and health coaching, risks and benefits of new weight loss medications, emotional eating and maladaptive coping mechanisms, the pursuit of the dopamine kick, the value of social prescriptions in healthcare, and the Claudia Armani wellness brand and services. I hope you enjoy the show. Claudia Armani, welcome to Healthcare Beans. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me here. Very Perfect. nice to see you and to meet you. Yeah, great. So uh, thanks again for taking the invite. Um, you are a health coach, um, yes. health and lifestyle wellness, perhaps on lifestyle medicine, from what I understand. Um, you are also one of a one of the top UK bloggers on health and wellness. Yes. And I saw that. That's how I came across that on LinkedIn. Um, and I've been trying to get a health coach on on the podcast for some time now, so I'm really glad that you accepted. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a lot to talk about. I'd like to start off and ask you about how you got into healthcare coaching, um, and you know just your your basic practices for health and wellness, and and anything and everything that you'd like to throw in there, just so that we get a good sense of of Claudia Armani and what you do. Okay, good. So my um, experience with, I would say, lifestyle medicine uh, has been uh, since basically I was a child when I was a kid, uh, because I was uh, I had just a very mild uh, metabolic problem, so I was on a on a very strict diet because of that, um, and I, I got um, I became a very strong little girl so but I hated to be on a diet and then when I was uh during the high school when I was a teenager I got off the diet and I, I had a lot of problems I started suffering from fatigue uh orthostatic syndrome I was only sick so I had to take a lot of time off school so that was my first experience with uh, how nutrition and food and lifestyle really can shape your life and your health and well-being. And uh, when I got out of school, I just start, I changed my lifestyle, changed my diet. I learned to cook finally, and my health uh, was increased again. Uh, after a few years working in the fashion industry, I got really sick. And uh, it was an illness that nobody knew what it was. I didn't get any oh, yeah. help from uh, from the NHS, from my GP, that I used to do tests. And uh, I didn't know what it was. And I had to stop working. Uh, I couldn't work anymore. So, and I didn't know what it was. Um, so all my life got shaped by that. But I, I took the matter in my own hands. 
And uh, so I decided that because it was an episodic illness, it was coming in episode. So I started doing what I then found out was the right thing to address it. Uh, so I started doing like a trigger management uh, approach. So I work out all my triggers and then I change my nutrition. So I put more emphasis on my nutrition, on my lifestyle. So circadian rhythm, uh, exercise, um, uh, sleep, stress management, just changed my whole lifestyle. And finally I got over it and I went into remission. And then I found out what it was. So it was this, um basically ill health um, experience that got me mostly into health coaching and wanting to help others like I managed to help myself. Understood. That's that's interesting. Um so I've heard I've heard something like this before with with other people. Um whenever you meet someone who's really who's really interested in health and wellness um and you dig into their background a bit it would seem that they have a personal story in terms of how they lost a bit of their health across several years. Oftentimes I've heard that where it's like, we don't know why we went to doctors, don't know what happened there. Lots of tests, treatments didn't work. Um, and I have heard that. And I'm always interested in that where, where people made certain lifestyle changes and they had to, it's really difficult because you don't know what those changes are at the beginning. You're feeling sick, you're feeling weak. You're walking around um, and you're asking people and you're trying to get as much information as possible. Um, and, and some things are not working. So you land on something. I think it's it's a matter of like, how long does it take you to land on a on a lifestyle that that works for you? It sounds like it took you at least a few years to do that, if I heard you, if I heard you correctly. Yeah. Well, um, kind of. I think that my body needed to get back into balance. Um, okay. And it took a while to, to get back into balance. But um, I think that lifestyle changes, I mean, now there is something that is called functional medicine. And a functional medicine approach usually uh, take care of a lot of, um, of problems that normally don't get addressed by um, allopathic or traditional medicine. So usually an integrated approach. And what I do with my clients, I mean, I'm a health coach, so my job is uh, behavior change. But I do work sometimes, most often, with a functional medicine doctor. So they take care of all the testing, and then the clients come to me, and we do all the lifestyle changes with them. Got it, got it. Okay. So that's so you work closely, you collaborate with functional medicine doctors, probably in the UK. Is that where you're based? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And so it's the, <laughs> it's the hard part where, I mean, so all the tests get run, um, the treatment plan in broad strokes is put together, but then it's really the willpower and the methods to enact that plan across a period of time, which is like forever because it's a lifestyle change. It's not a diet. We're not, we're not talking yeah. about six months. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the hard part. Yeah. That's the hard part. Um, so, but my wife, she's had like a lot of like yo-yo diets. She's up mm -hmm. and down. Um, she'll, you know blow past 200 pounds and then she'll just do everything she can to sort of bring it down again. But she loves, she loves things that you're not supposed to eat too much of. She loves carbs. Mm -hmm. She loves all that. And, um, 
and and I like eating with her. So we eat together. And so I'm not very helpful. I'm I'm very much not helpful in her long-term diet plans. Um, so yeah, she's she's back on it now and she started dropping like maybe 10, 20 pounds. So she's it's again, now we're we're on that yo-yo and it's been 10 years. So I've seen the yo-yo about four to five times now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I don't know, I don't know what the long-term plan is. It's it's some sort of uh application of willpower. Um, there was a method, there was a method. She, she made a lot of success with something called intermittent fasting. Yeah. She was doing that. And it was great. One of the things that was great about it was that, um, we could still eat together. It just had to be within a particular time of day and we could eat anything we liked. Um, so that was great because then all I had to do was just practice my willpower to just eat only at that time with her. So, (laughs) so it was helpful, but, um, I think it took, I think it just took a lot of willpower on her part to do it again, um, to stick with it and do it again. So I, I can't say that it was a really good long-term approach for her. And I don't know mm-hmm. if you think about that, if you advocate for that. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Does that make sense? Intermittent fasting? Yes, it does make sense. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> First of all, let me say willpower is a muscle that tires very easily. So you cannot rely on willpower. Uh, You have to learn. And the other thing, if you have to strict, then you're going to relapse in your uh, behavior. So the idea is to find the right spot for you and also to kind of learn to manage so there will always be a time where you want to eat more maybe go out to see your friends your family and you know but so you eat a little bit more and the time where you can eat a little bit less because maybe you feel full so the idea is actually without portion is to get in touch with your own body understand your own body cues and then work on those and the other thing, rather than restrict and then uh, completely relapse, the other thing is to understand how to build a balanced diet. Because what I've seen with intermittent fasting that can be really helpful. I've done it myself with great results. Okay. Uh, but the thing is, people don't change the way they eat. They keep on eating uh, the same type of diet just in a in a smaller period of time. That cannot really work really because what you have to change is your metabolism. Now there's something called metabolic flexibility, uh, which is really important because basically uh, your body can run on sugar, so carbs, or can run on fat. So ideally it should be able to teach your body to run on both. So if you have uh, uh, some carbs, that's fine. You burn that off. And uh, but if you if you can eat carbs and or you have to stay a few hours without food, then your body can use and burn the fat. So and that's critical because so you don't need really to be on a diet. That's okay. that's the key. And uh, the key point of intermittent fasting that can be really helpful is exactly to do that, to train your body to burn the fat, to use the fat as fuel. Because if you have a long period of time, usually it's overnight fasting, like let's say 14 hours, then your body has to uh, use the fat rather than the carbs because you haven't eaten right. to right. to to do all the basic uh, metabolic uh, task. 
And then when you start eating again, it's probably going to use some of the carbs you're eating. So the good point of intermittent fasting, which is really good, is to teach your body to basically to have the metabolic flexibility. So basically to burn the fat when you don't have the carbs or whether you want to stay a little bit longer between meals and allow your body to burn the fat. I don't know whether that makes any sense, but that's a very important thing. Yeah. So you don't need to go on a keto diet. The keto diet, for example, is the one where you substitute your carbs with fat. And it's a, it's a, it's a diet that is really has a lot of calories, a lot of fat. So you don't need to go to the extreme and do that. As long as you understand how to build a balanced diet, a balanced meal, and you teach your body to have the uh, flex, um, metabolic flexibility, which is given by intermittent fasting. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. It does. It does. It does. That's, that's a very important point in terms of being careful what you eat in that window. Um, and so that's, that is something, cause we had to think more about that. And I, I can't say that we did a great job. <laughs> I can't say we did a great job thinking about what should be eaten in that window. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I felt like we, or at least I didn't do it. My wife did it. I felt like she couldn't keep that up as a lifestyle yeah. long-term. Um, and then she got, she got pregnant. We had our daughter uh, about mm-hmm. a year ago, exactly like one year, one day ago. Um, so, you know, you don't intermittent fasting, I think in all phases of life. Probably, and I, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'm imagining that's not a great idea. So, so it stopped there. But um, the willpower part. So, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in what you said about willpower. Did you, you called it a? It's a muscle that tires easily. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes. And not to rely on it. Um, yeah. So I think that's. So that's that's probably. And, and if I heard you correctly, with behavior change, that's a big part of what you do. It's. It sounds like you're creating habits. Yes. Um, and, yeah. and these are habits and, and they need to be specific to the patient. I imagine you're learning about the patient, they're customized yeah. to the patient. So you're sort of making perhaps a judgment call in what you think the patient could change in a short period of time um, and how to build into that so that they're, so that they have something to run with when you're not, when you're not with them and for months on out. Yes, absolutely. But the idea is that the client actually, we help the client make the changes and create their own plan. So we uh, so that empowered and also, you know, everybody has a different lifestyle. You know, um, family rhythm, they're different, different uh, work rhythm, uh, different likes and dislikes. So they really have to choose what is right for them. And the other thing is because if the change is too big to start with, they probably won't have the willpower to -hmm. carry on. And so it won't work. But if they start with small changes and gradual changes and changes that agree with them, that feels, okay, I can do that. It's not a big sacrifice. And you start with those, then it will see that they will feel the benefit. So because you feel the benefit, then you stay and you want more of those benefits. You crave them more. So you're more likely to make the change. That's why I say it can't really rely on willpower too much. It can rely on willpower at the beginning. In the beginning, you need to have that willpower. But then you have to find other strategies to carry on and to connect with your inner motivation. Got it. That's interesting. So yeah, it's there's fruit along the way as you walk down yeah. the path, 
And that's what keeps, that becomes the motivation when you start to, to relish those benefits when yes. you see that happening. Got it. Okay. I never think about that part. That's, that's an important part. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to back up a little bit. You're, you're in the UK and, and yeah. I'm just thinking about how health and wellness and healthcare intersect over in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, I know you have the NHS there yes. um, and you pay appropriately high taxes for that. Um, so we're, I'm based here in the United States where we have you know, crazy healthcare expenditures, um, generally on average, not good or poor health outcomes, especially for the cost. Um, that's, mm -hmm. that's the big story with the United States. Um, and so we don't really have, over here, we don't have a mechanism to, to cover health coaching very, very well. I mean, we have maybe a few pocket programs here and there, um, but those, that's, those are not reflective of sustainable funding resources. That's just, yeah. here's, this, here's this experiment, we might have a pile of money for it. That's not long-term. So it sounds like in the UK, do you have like coverage? Does the NHS provide that? Or is it mostly like a cash pay environment? Yes, I mean, uh, um, health coaching usually is private. So uh, people pay and it's not covered by insurance either. So people just pay with their own money. Um, but there are some uh, um, program, I believe, in the HNS that's starting now. Uh, they've done it, I think, for the smoke, for people who stop smoking. Mm -hmm. They are funded by the NHS. Uh, so there aren't too many, but there are some of those. But the thing is, yes, we have a free healthcare in the UK, but uh, it's going through a, a really different period. Uh, phase because we had a lot of backlog from the lockdown, from the pandemic, and uh, it's going through a lot of problems. There are no funding or the funding are not really used very well. So there are less and less services for the people. So, but I think here it started to be recognized that lifestyle changes are really important. So there are some um, basically programmed for that, but mostly it's private. Got it. So that's interesting. So because of the, the lockdowns for the past couple of years, mm -hmm. there seem, and there's this backlog. So now there's like this tsunami of patients that are raising yes. their hands for care. Um, yeah. and you know, the, the healthcare system hasn't expanded since then. Right. Yeah. I mean, it takes time to do that. Yeah. So the wait times, if I heard you correctly, the wait times must be going through the roof over there. Yeah. Yeah, it's very long. And uh, especially for people, you know, a lot of cancer patients have lost so many appointments. Right. And yeah. now we're seeing people that are unfortunately losing their life because of that. So it's quite, it's quite big. It's getting better now, but we, we're okay. really suffering from it. Yes. Interesting. I, I feel like that's also um, an incentive to be more focused on, on sort of health coaching and, and modifying your own lifestyle in order to address yes. certain needs. Um, you know, barring cancer or things like that, uh, or broken. Definitely, bones. prevention is the key. Yeah, prevention right. for diseases like diabetes, hypertension, metabolic syndrome, obesity, lifestyle, and nutrition are the keys to to prevent them or to reduce the the symptoms and the seriousness of the disease. That's itself. that's really interesting because um, I wonder. Do we think that that's going to continue going forward? They've got these new medicines now, and mm -hmm. I see a few people talking about yeah. them online. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, Wigovi or Wigovi or something. It's one of those, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an injectable 
it's it seems to I don't know what it does. I think it kills the appetite for something. It makes folks not want to eat. There's a bunch of yeah. side effects with it, but its core function of reducing appetite and weight and and contributing to weight loss is clear. Like it it has a yeah. dramatic effect on weight loss. Um, but I wonder, like, is it long term? Can you take it like diets and lifestyles long term? You want to take who wants to inject Wagovi for like ten years? I don't know. Um, no, absolutely not. Uh, already, they found out a lot of uh, very serious side effect to these drugs. Okay. So it's really not something that you can use for the long run. But again, there's no easy, there's no quick fix for this. There's no quick fix for uh, being your ideal weight. There's no quick fix for health. Uh, everything is down to the small things you do every day, your habits, what you do every day, are you able to self-manage? And not only the food you take, but also how you sleep, your stress, uh, and how you manage to fit some natural movement, as I call it, into mm -hmm. your everyday life. For example, it's not very well known, but if you don't sleep very well, you're more likely to have food cravings, for example, and especially of sugar and fatty food. So there are many aspects of your lifestyle that really contribute to your health. It's not only the food you eat. That's why in health coaching, we have this holistic approach. Uh, so that encompasses many aspects of your lifestyle and your life. For example, we take in consideration your sense of purpose, your connection, so you know, relationships, support network. So there are so many aspects that contribute to your well-being and your health. Because if you're not feeling good with yourself, um, then you're going, you're bound to have habits that are not very healthy. And in, in health coaching, we call them maladaptive coping mechanisms. That could be eating too much when you shouldn't be eating, like emotional eating, or maybe drinking a little bit too much uh, socially, or maybe not taking care of yourself, maybe spending the evening being watching, you know, Netflix, rather than going to the gym or doing, uh, I don't know, a little bit of stretching, not caring about yourself. So it's really the whole person that we address. And that's the real, I think, uh, power of health coaching, that we address both the physical aspect, but also the mental well-being and emotional well-being, because they're really all connected. Yeah, no, that's great to hear. I um, Whenever I get breaks, <laughs> my, sometimes mm -hmm. my, my wife will take the kids and they'll go to um, a friend's house for the weekend. Uh, this is friends and family. Mm -hmm. And I'll have a break for the weekend. And, and I'm like, my God, this is amazing. I have a break. And I, what I end up doing with that time is literally mm -hmm. just binge watching Netflix. Yeah. And, and then come Sunday. So it's like Friday night, Saturday night, then Sunday. And I feel terrible. I feel awful. I'm not happy. I'm not happier at all. I should have gone somewhere. I should have met with people. I should have done something active. Like passive entertainment is something yeah. I always have to keep an eye on because that's something that gets me where I can just veg out. And it's it's just an awful quality of life if I rely on that too much. Um, yeah, the the binge eating, I noticed that on your profile, the emotional yes. eating. I've seen that too. Like if certain things, we get hit in life with certain adversities, um, my wife automatically will just start watching, you know, a bag of cookies comes out, more stuff comes out. Um, and, and these are just problems. They could last a day. They could last yeah. a week. 
You know, I mean, we had a problem with our kid in school and there was like a little bit Mm -hmm. of a bullying, not a major thing. We spoke to Mm -hmm. parents and teachers, everything got resolved. But for those seven days, it was more tense, more tension, difficult to deal with a lot more eating and carbs happened. If I had to look back, I could say that, yeah, there was a ton more eating. Um, I'm, you know, that's my wife getting all those impacts. And then it's like starting from scratch. So you, you get some hit with adversity, some challenge or problem, and you're back at square one because, <laughs> because, you know, relying on the willpower that didn't really work. Um, yeah. and, and then now she's, she feels like she needs to grab everything together get more organized again and start and start walking on that same road. And that's a little unfortunate. I wish, I wish systems like even basic things like that didn't shock us off track, put us off track so quickly, but, um, but it does happen. Yes. And definitely with the emotional eating or binge eating willpower doesn't work. Okay. It doesn't work. You have to find how, how, how your brain works and go around it and find little strategies that help you out because willpower doesn't work with emotional eating. And that's why people are getting frustrated and then they're feeling guilty because they cannot manage to, to follow through their intention, their rational intention. Right. There is not to do that, not to binge eat. They feel guilty. They feel uh, frustrated with themselves, which then in the end feed that cycle of emotional eating. So one of the things we deal with um, in health coaching, not all the health coaches do, but is uh, emotional eating and how to get out of this vicious cycle. And um, so, yes, going back to willpower, definitely with um, emotional eating, that doesn't work. Got it. Got it. That's interesting. All right. So that's a focal point, sort of that emotional and binge eating. That's a focal point of health coaching. Okay. Yeah, it's one of the focus, but... You see, what what people are looking for is the dopamine kick. And I think our society is the dopamine kick society. You know, whatever, whenever you're going on social media, whenever you're being watching Netflix, whenever you are eating, and we all have something that we, we need to do to get that dopamine kick. So the trick is actually to find other dopamine kick. They are not so... Uh, they are more beneficial for our life and they can support our health and well-being. So when we we work with a client, we try to work around those problems and try to find ways for the client to to manage to deal with stress, with frustration, with anxiety, uh, and find other more healthy dopamine kits. And that's the key rather than willpower. Willpower won't work much. Dopamine kicks. Okay. Less costly, long-term beneficial dopamine kicks. That's really what you're pursuing. Okay. All right. Awesome. Um, So thinking about like a health coaching engagement, like someone reaches out and they want to start out on the road with health coaching. Um, How long does that, how long does that last? Is that, is that like a month or a few months or is it like more in the beginning and then just touching base for a long time mm-hmm. afterwards periodically? Like how, do, how does that look? Obviously it depends on the client. With some clients at the beginning have more, uh, more appointments at the beginning just to get them going. But usually is the standard I would say of the average is like six months and we see the client every two weeks. So, and in between those two weeks, there is a lot of support. 
So if the clients need, the, you know, they can send you a message or there is an email or they receive some doubts, some further information so they are not completely left on their own, especially in the first part of the journey. And then they will have to start uh, learning to be on their own, so to self-manage. And, uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a slow process because habits are not built in a day. Uh, for some people, they're now they say from 66 days onwards. Uh, in the old days, we used to say 21 days to make a habit. But recent studies have shown that you need much more than that. So otherwise you risk to fall back into the old habits. So repetition and time are key to forming habits. So that's, you know, that's the process. Okay. So like 60 days, you're saying to, to have like a couple of habits. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Ingrained. Yeah. 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 No, yes. 60 days. All right. That makes sense. 21 sounds too short. <laughs> it's too short. Definitely. Yeah, it does sound yes. short. yeah. All right. So 60 days. Um, and, and, I don't think in terms of pounds, which is the currency mm -hmm. out there, but I want to understand and discuss affordability for health coaching, mm -hmm. because um, yeah. I like to think about like, how does that work at scale? Um, mm -hmm. So we do have trends in this country, in the United States, mm -hmm. where people are, it's, it's actually more affordable to pay things through cash than through mm -hmm. insurance. And so people yeah. are more and more doing that. There's a great frustration with dealing with insurance companies, mm -hmm. uh, mostly because it's just a lot of, it's just a huge burden. It's a huge cost yeah. and compliance to deal with insurance companies. Um, and so provider groups, there are even provider groups, mm -hmm. doctors would sort of band together um, and they decide to treat all their patients on like a subscription basis. And so yes. like primary care, I don't know, like $50 a month or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's attractive to certain people. And I, I don't use it yet, but a lot of people are flocking to it. So it's like they cut out mm -hmm. the middleman uh, insurance company and they're doing that. Um, so thinking about affordability and how that mm -hmm. could fit in here into a model, like let's say a primary care clinic with a couple mm -hmm. of health, health and wellness coaches. Um, how does that look in the, in the UK for private clients on your side? For private clients, I think usually we have more, sometimes people start off with a, with a few sessions only to make it more mm -hmm. affordable. Uh, but on my side, I've started doing some subscription, like monthly subscription. So only mm -hmm. for a few clients I'm trying out because I think it's much more affordable for people. And so people are more likely to try because for a lot of people, it's like, oh, what is it? You know, health coaching. They don't understand until they actually try. So if the cost is an object, is a problem that they will never try and they will never experience the benefit. So from my side, I've started doing some uh, monthly subscriptions for okay. health coaching clients. And I think they're working well. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, yes. I, I'm becoming more of a fan on, on subscription-based care the more I hear about it. It's, yes. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's less complicated. Um, yes. It's not dependent on like variable factors like, oh, I, I care about my health today. I really care yes. today or this week. So I'm going to call you and schedule something. Maybe you're available, maybe you're not. Um, and then things happen. I forget for a month, but I, I still do care. Fundamentally, I do care. I just mm -hmm. care variably across months. Yes. And you don't want yes. payment tied to that because that's not sustainable mm -hmm. on that system yes. tied to that. That's, that's like a... 
that's a service like getting my pants tailored. That's different when that's I want amazing. it, I can pay for it. But but uh, for anything healthcare related, I think um, I think we went too far with insurance. Like we're paying insurance yeah. because we care, but that's super expensive. Why yes. not just pay? It's it's really roughly equivalent, depending on coverage, but conceptually mm -hmm. equivalent to just pay subscription directly to a provider versus yes. going that roundabout way um, yes. through insurance. So so I like that. I hope that works for you. Let me. <laughs> I'd like to hear how that how that's going. How what fraction of your of your patient? Base, do you is could you say is on subscription now? Um, I haven't started from from long, I mean, since long, so okay. at the moment probably it's thirty percent. I would say thirty. Thirty percent. Yes. Oh wow. Okay. And you started you started like recently, like in the last month or two or something. Uh, like a couple of months ago. Couple of months. All right. So thirty percent of your client base at a couple of months. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. That sounds good. Okay. All right. That's that's interesting. Awesome. Yes. Um, yeah. So those are lessons that I think get taken back on, on this side. So I work, I didn't, I didn't tell you when I, when I first came on, I work in um, like healthcare transformation models mm -hmm. that the government sets up. Yeah. Um, mostly it's all around really thinking about how to um, increase access to care, mm -hmm. um, increase quality of care. Uh, but mostly like the, the fundamental directive is to reduce cost. Is to really control costs. That's 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 our problem here in this country, mm -hmm. yeah. and we have a we have a you know some things that are very quality focused, um, but our our core problem is <laughs> is spending. I think a lot of people in this country would say our core problem is spending. Um, yes. So that's but the best way. Oh, sorry. But the best way to to save money is prevention. That's yes. The best. Yes. Yeah. But I wonder culturally between here in the UK, like I. I feel like over here, and and I need to clear my thoughts on this because I don't know how accurate this is, but just I, if I think about myself and I think about what I observe, um, I feel like what I want, which is not really what I should want, but what I want is mm -hmm. to like increase the ceiling on mm -hmm. self-abuse. You know, mm -hmm. like I want to eat, you know, 50 hot dogs a month, mm -hmm. but I can't do that because it's bad for me. Mm. unless there's a pill or surgery or something yeah. that can allow me it's it's supposed to be for me to benefit my health but what does it do in terms of my lifestyle like if i don't have to change anything about my lifestyle then i can just continue yeah doing what i want which is self abuse yeah. right I just continue having fun whether it's hot dogs or or, or alcohol or, or or in my case it's really pizza i'm a vegetarian mm -hmm. but anyways it's the same thing it's really the same thing like is there something that can just make it easy for me like statins i don't know if they really work to be honest the, the cholesterol lowering medications and mm -hmm. um, yeah. so i have high cholesterol and it's like okay you can i remember when i first got it like Either mm -hmm. I have to stop eating a bunch of stuff <laughs> that I like, or I can just take this pill. And that's what it did. Like, it just raises the bar on, on self-abuse. So I, I don't know how that plays in in the UK culturally versus here. I feel like here, it's really all about that. Like, so I think in UK and Europe, especially in UK, I think things are changing and the mindset is changing. So okay. people are realizing that obviously lifestyle and uh, prevention is the key. So lifestyle and diet are keys. And uh, there are a lot of lifestyle medicine doctors now here in UK, and they're doing a lot of uh, of uh, activism as well. So there is a movement here. 
um, to create um, a different model of health and medicine. Um, there are also something called social prescription now, uh, spending some time in nature, or what well, just started now, so in some part of UK, not everywhere. But they will prescribe you to spend more time in nature because that helps, you know, uh, cut down the stress and blood pressure, or maybe to go on a walk or to to eat different type of food. So so there is uh, a sort of awareness here, and because um, health and healthcare is not in the end of insurance companies, private mm -hmm. hospitals, so it's uh, not a business as such as it is right. in, in US. So there is more an open mind uh, towards different type of approach to health. And I think the problem in the US healthcare model is exactly that, which is a business. Yes. And if it's a business, then uh, there's no no benefit in uh, in pushing lifestyle changes or uh, a different or healthy diet because nobody's making money out of it. There's no profit to make it, to be made. So I think uh, the problem in US is really at the core of the healthcare model model that you have there. Right. So yeah. I would. I would start to agree with you more on that. Mm. I, I've been going through a bit of an evolution on that. And I I have been for quite some time thinking more that, you know, since we had so much government intervention in our healthcare system mm. here, that the that the private sector, um, like mm. market driven, could do better in terms of increasing access. But mm -hmm. I'm not convinced. <laughs> I think I think the core the core of healthcare as a business model out here um, mm -hmm. will always lead to just really unaffordable levels of care. Like if they could, if they could just, if every year they can just take, take away one more, one more percent of the GDP, they will. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's, that's less that we have for lots of other things. And I feel mm -hmm. like the, the types of solutions that get raised um, and they're not really tied to to lifestyle benefits or lifestyle change, they're not tied to community very well. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I just wonder, like, what did people do back in the day? Um, you know, in tighter communities with more family members and people sort of watching mm -hmm. out for each other, in, including for each other's health. Um, versus, like today, it's like, no, the doctor can. We can give the doctor more money mm -hmm. to coordinate and and organize all this healthcare delivery. It's like, I don't think that's not, that doesn't seem to be working in one way or another. That's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're medicalizing it, even from social determinants of health. Like if someone doesn't have um, clean air or a park nearby, or they don't mm -hmm. have um, a, a stove that works, or if they don't have other things that, that, that they should have to live good outside of the, of the, of the doctor's office or outside of the mm -hmm. hospital, um, like pest control or something still, there's this push to funnel money into the healthcare system and have the healthcare system keep eyes and, and control it and manage it all. Um, and, and that sounds a little, little silly, I think, in my, <laughs> um, and I think there's some awareness here that that's silly, but um, without a clear, obvious, like alternative that also includes some profit, 
it's hard to get the ball rolling on, on, on those types of solutions. So I agree. But one of the points of um, health coaching is to bring the power back to the, to the patient. So yeah. you would be able to self manage your health going forward and rather than give away the power to your doctor, your pharmaceutical company, or your insurance company. So, um, Do you interface in health coaching, do you interface with other community members or family members of the patient that you treat, or is it really just directly with the patient? Usually it's directly with the patient, but we need to take care of of the environment, so yeah. of the family environment as well, or whatever they live, because otherwise it doesn't really work. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when a person needs to change their lifestyle, also all the family needs to adjust a little bit. Yes. Uh, because, you know, you can have someone eating a salad and a piece of chicken, and then maybe the husband or the wife eating a big bowl of pasta or noodles, you know, it won't, it won't work. So yeah. the whole family needs to adapt. And sometimes that can be really positive because, you know, you have people sitting at the table, uh, sharing a meal together, talking with each other. So maybe the television is off. Mm -hmm. And so right. talking, connecting, sharing, and, uh, and that is really helpful uh, because it focuses a little bit less on food and it focuses more on connecting with other human beings. So that's, and that's better living for sure. Yes, absolutely. So Claudia, mm -hmm. tell me about this new website that you put together. I, I found it the other day. I think it's Claudia Armani Wellness. Um, yes. Is that a, so I, I know you have like the Healthy Gourmet, which is like this top ranked blog, but then you're, you're also doing this other, this other site, which, so I don't, I don't know the, I don't see the clear connection between the two, but I'm sure it is. Go ahead. You can, you can describe it to me. Yes, basically, the Healthy Gourmet was my food blog that I had before I actually started coaching. And, uh, and then when I became a health coach, I put everything together. So my food blog became also a wellness blog, and my clients were funding me through that. Uh, but then it was too focused on recipes, and I wanted really to to focus more on the health coaching, which is the behavior change part of a health coaching, and also really on the whole lifestyle. So I launched my new website, which is Claudia Armani Wellness, and uh, it has a blog as well. And uh, the website is really new, so it's only two months old. And uh, so there will be more blog posts coming up, uh, more information. And, uh, and this kind of sum up everything that I do. Uh, so is behavior change, uh, lifestyle medicine, and uh, also Pilates as well, because I'm also a Pilates teacher. So there will be everything coming together and, uh, and people can find me there. Got it, got it. Okay, I see the evolution now. All right, Healthy Gourmet mm -hmm. recipes brought you yeah. out there, very popular. Um, yes. And then branching off into health coaching, yeah, that deserves its own its own site there. Got it, got it. All Absolutely. right, all right. Yes. So yeah, no, it's um, it's great. I saw that website; it's a couple of months old, but it looks beautiful, mm -hmm. by the way. So you put it together. Thank you so well. much. Um, so this has been great. I I really enjoyed speaking with you, learning about you know the focus of health coaching, thinking about subscription based care in particular, mm -hmm. 
I'd love to see that take off more. And I'm glad it's so interesting to hear that you're like 30% of your patient base after just a few months is doing that. Um, do you do that virtually, by the way? So will you? Yes. So I can see clients all over the world. Awesome. Awesome. So you can, I guess, if you manage the schedule, you can take on like patients in the United States as well. Yeah. Yeah, I do that. Yes. Okay. And how would you get paid? Is it like through Bitcoin or something? I accept all type of currency because I have a multi-currency account. So people can, the benefit of the digital society. <laughs> nice. Nice. A multi-currency account. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. All right. Cool. Well, Claudia, it's been great to have you on the show. Um, and I would look, I would like to invite you again in the future just to hear more about subscription-based care and how that's going. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you.